are continuing with our Blow It Up series. Someone told me this morning it looked like exposing Santa's biggest lies. It's Satan's biggest lies, okay? If you're dyslexic, it may look like Santa, but it's Satan. Mark and Jenny had been dating for a while, a couple of months, um, really getting into each other, loving each other, and thinking maybe there might be a future together. Well, one Saturday night, uh, Mark was supposed to pick Jenny up at 6 o'clock for a date. They were just going to go out and watch a movie. And she spent a lot of time getting ready, getting her hair perfect, her makeup perfect, dressed to the nines, all this stuff. She wanted to look really good for Mark. Um, and uh, he was late, though. Um, he hadn't told her he was going to be late, but he was. Wasn't there at 6 to pick her up. At 7, still hadn't come by. 7.30, I mean, she's texting him. He's not answering. She's trying to call. He's not answering. She's, um, maybe you can identify with this, kind of t- caught between being a little angry and a little concerned, like maybe something's wrong, but if it's not, I'm really mad. Um, finally, after several hours, she gave up. Went and took a shower, took all the makeup off, got her, you know, got some comfortable clothes on, some pajamas, some uh, sat down, watched a little Netflix, ate a little leftover Italian food, and just kind of settled in, figured she'd hear tomorrow what happened. But about 9.30, the doorbell rang. It was Mark. And about the time she was going to lay into him, how could you be so late? He stepped in, and with an irritated voice, he said, I'm three hours late, and you still haven't been able to get ready. You're still not dressed. You're still. It is interesting to me always, and there are so many circumstances in life where this happens, where two people can have very different interpretations of something that happened, very different perspectives on things that happened. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about judgment or the end of life or the passage from this life into the afterlife, however you want to call that. And there are a lot of different perspectives on that. But we're going to lean into the perspective that Jesus has on that because he kind of has some expertise in that area. I mean, Jesus came from heaven to earth, was born in Bethlehem so many years ago, uh, lived a life here just like us in many respects, ended up giving his life up for us on the cross, was buried, was resurrected, and ascended back to heaven. To the right hand of God. So he, above all others, knows something about judgment and about eternity. But there are a lot of different interpretations or perspectives, Christian, non-Christian, atheistic, other religions. Um, not all of those perspectives can be right. I mean, there are so many different conflicting ideas. They can't all be right. I mean, some believe in reincarnation. You keep getting chance after chance until you finally get it right someday. Maybe you're not a spiritual three-year-old, but you work up to maturity at some point. Um, There are certainly different religious groups that have different ideas, and then there are those of us who believe Jesus is the authority. And so we're going to see what Jesus has to say, since he does have some perspective on that that no one who's ever lived has. One thing that he shares, and he shares a lot about that day, whether it is the day of his return or the day that you die, he shares with us that day's coming, and I think we can all agree, regardless of your religious orientation, um, you can agree the day is going to come where life as you know it is no more, right? 
Um, either he comes back or you pass away. And one of the things that Jesus was constantly sharing, in, te- in fact, just about every time he talks about that day, um, he talks about it being unexpected, sudden, that no one is going to be ready for that day. He says in Matthew chapter 24, not even the angels have this day circled on their calendar when Jesus will come back. He says, not even I know the hour or the day. Only the Father knows. And when Jesus talks about how it's going to be unexpected, he talks in Matthew 24 about how it will be a little bit like Noah. Remember Noah and the ark, the great flood? Very few were expecting that kind of flood. They were like, wow, what's going on? He says, Judgment Day will be kind of like that. Jesus says in Matthew 24, Judgment Day will be kind of like a thief in the night. A thief does not call you to make sure it's a convenient time to rob your house. Much the opposite, a thief thief wants to surprise you. Um, And Jesus, in fact, Paul and Peter both use that metaphor of a thief arriving in the night as death or the second coming judgment day what that's going to be like how suddenly and unexpectedly that is going to arrive jesus says in matthew chapter 24 starting in verse 42 he says so you too must keep watch keep your head on a swivel be alert for you don't know what time what day your lord is coming understand this if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming i mean you'd be sitting down there with your shotgun You'd be ready. If a homeowner knew when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch. He would not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when what? When least expected. When least expected. Now, why would Jesus share all of this? And tell story after story. In fact, in chapter 24, he shares a lot of short stories about this. He shares these things because he cares about you. He loves you, and obviously, he wants for you to be, in a word, ready. He wants for you to be ready because Jesus wants for you to spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, one of the stories that he tells, he tells several, but one of them he tells to show how unexpected, how surprising this day is going to be when it arrives, he uses a story about a wedding. And I suspect we all have some experiences with wedding days, either yours or a loved one, where something unexpected happened. In fact, in my years of doing weddings, officiating weddings, I don't think I've ever seen a wedding come off exactly as planned. And it's, a, it's really interesting because a lot of work gets put into planning the wedding into trying to make sure that day above all other days is perfect. On my own wedding day, Isla, our wedding day back in 1993, I showed up at the church a couple hours beforehand to make sure everything was ready, and I noticed that our three-level, three-tier wedding cake, it looked like it was leaning a little bit. My dad said, nah, it's, it's okay. But about the time we were finished checking around and we are ready to leave, bam! Ended up with a one-level wedding cake, but We've made it this far, so I don't think... I mean, I thought that might be a bad omen, but 
we're doing okay. I have, I think you were at this wedding as well, Isla. I have held a groom up who was about to pass out, who was about to faint. I had to hold him up while he recited his vows, and I shortened that bad boy down a lot. We're like, okay, you're in, she's in, we're good, right? I've seen, speaking of the meltdown, I've seen the three-year-old flower girl, the grand entry. I've seen her sit down and begin screaming until mom just took her out. In fact, I think I've seen that one more than once. And we all have stories. So Jesus is choosing the kind of event that we know things happen that are unexpected, right? And so he tells a story about something unexpected happening, happening at a wedding. In his story, um, you've got the groom showing up late. That happened in the first century, and we'll talk more about that in a few moments. The groom never showed up at a predictable time. You kind of knew more or less, but you didn't know exactly. We lived in Brazil for 10 years, and it's the opposite. If you're a Brazilian or you've lived in there or gone to a Brazilian wedding, it is the bride who shows up late. And by late, I mean at least a half hour late. Wedding, 2 o'clock. Minimum two ten, uh, two thirty or whatever. She'll be probably more like an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours late. And you have to be ready. Everyone else needs to be there as soon as that limo pulls up and she and her father get out. The ceremony will start like in two minutes, and so you've got to be ready. In the first century culture, it was the groom who would show up, and no one knew exactly when. And you had to be ready. And so you've got in the story Jesus tells ten bridesmaids, ten young ladies. They are among those that are waiting for this wedding to get going, and weddings were awesome in the first century. I mean, we're talking food and dancing and music, and the party would go on for days, okay? So you wanted to be included on that guest list because it was going to be really great. Well, these ten girls, these ten bridesmaids are waiting. Five of them are smart, five not so smart, right? Because they needed, it's at night, they needed to have their lamps, right? And so five of them have just enough oil in their lamp. If nothing goes wrong, if the groom is not late, then we've got enough. The other five had a little extra in case there was something unexpected that would happen, in case there was a delay. And yes, in the story, there was a delay. Six o'clock passes, seven o'clock passes, eight o'clock passes, nine o'clock passes. It's getting, they're getting tired. In fact, Jesus has them all asleep. They all start napping. And then all of a sudden, around midnight, someone yells in the distance, the bridegroom is coming. And so they wake up. And those that were ready put the extra oil in, light their lamps, they're ready for the procession to pass, and they'll join in that bridal procession. The others are like, we ran out of oil, we got to find the 24-hour oil store. I don't know if there was such a thing, but they disappear, and sure enough, the bridal party, the groom and the party come by, and people are joining in this parade, and they all fill up the venue, and, and, and there's laughing and conversation and music and food is being cooked and the doors are closed. And those five that were not quite ready didn't have the extra oil. They show up late. They knock on the door. Guess whose voice they hear from the other side? It's the groom himself. And he says, I'm sorry. I don't know you. The doors are closed. 
End of story. Not exactly the happy ending you would want to write on there, right? And Jesus says this as he gives us the moral of the story in Matthew 25, 13. Jesus says, So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my, of the groom's return. You don't know. Be ready. And when it comes to that ultimate question, the question of eternity, Jesus says over and over, you don't know the hour, you don't know the day, so be ready now. Don't wait to get ready. Don't wait to be spiritually right with God. Don't wait to say yes to my grace and by the way, as Jesus is sharing the story, it was very familiar to his audience. That's the way it worked. The groom would walk through town, this kind of long route to the wedding venue. And along the way, those who had invitations, they would light their lamps and they would join in. And so that, that parade, that procession got larger and larger, boisterous and fun. And they're heading down. And if, you, if they passed by and you were invited, you got to get in there and head to the location. So you wanted to be ready for that, but apparently not everyone was ready. And that is one of the hardest things for our 2017 ears. This story, ah, oh, there's some things we'd like to change about it, because in this story that Jesus tells, and in the other stories Jesus tells about being ready, some are and some aren't. Some get in and others don't. And like it or not, that's what Jesus tells us about eternity. There's no mulligan. There's no check it, second chance. Some are ready. Some are not. The doors are shut. It's over. And I'll level with you. That doesn't sound right to us. That's not the way most Americans think about the afterlife. I read an ABC News poll that's pretty recent. And they were just asking people. So first they asked if, if, if you believe in heaven. Over 90% of Americans said yes. By the way, that percentage has held steady for over 30 years now. And then they said, so if you believe in heaven, you believe you're going to go in. Virtually everybody said, yeah, I'm in. Over 85% said, yeah, I'm in. And so that gets us to our big lie this morning, and this is on your outline. Write this down as we continue to blow up some of these big lies that people believe. Here goes. The lies is, hey, no need to worry. Most everyone is going to end up in heaven. No need to get concerned about this. Pretty much everyone believes they're headed for paradise. And that's nice. But again, who's the expert? Who gets to speak to this with some actual knowledge on the subject? I would say Jesus, the one that came from heaven to earth and the one that went back to heaven. That Jesus has a good idea about this. You and I don't so much. And so he told this crowd of folks one time, and this is from Matthew 7. Listen to what he says. And again, he wants us to be ready. So listen to what he says. He says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, many enter through it wait I thought 85% think they're going to heaven Jesus says wait many are taking this route many are taking the route to destruction but the small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Jesus is constantly warning people, constantly giving folks a head up through parables, through these stories, through plain language, to be alert, to take very seriously the question of eternity. 
and make sure that that is not one of the questions that you're putting off until tomorrow. If you want to switch cable companies or cell phone carriers, you could put that off a week or two. The question of eternity, don't put that one off, Jesus tells us. And as the writer of Hebrews penned in Hebrews 9.27, the writer of Hebrews says, For it is destined for each person to die once, and after that comes judgment. No reincarnation, no second chances. You've got one chance here. You die, you go to judgment. Now, all this sounds kind of scary. Well, we're going to get to the good news. But for the good news to be good news, you've got to understand the scary news, the bad news. I mean, we're all lost. If we're left to our own righteousness, if we're all left to our own ability to get things right, we are lost, and it's scary. But if you understand that salvation is a gift that God gives you through Jesus Christ, oh, that is wonderful news. Have you accepted that gift? Well, here's what Jesus tells us about what you should know about being prepared. The first thing he tells us very clearly, this is on your outline, is not everyone gets in. It's not God's call. God wants for everyone to come in. He's invited everyone to come in. He's provided through the cross for everyone to come in. Not everyone's going to say yes to that invitation. Not everyone's going to RSVP to this. So he says, not everyone will spend eternity in paradise. The second thing he tells us is this day of reckoning, it's coming, and it will be sudden, and no one will expect it. The third thing he tells us is that nothing is more important than being absolutely sure that you are prepared for judgment, that you know you're in right standing with God. He says this in verse 13, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now some people are going to hear this teaching from Jesus, and they're going to think, that is judgmental, that is intolerance, that is closed-minded. No one should talk like that. First of all, I would agree with you, it is judgmental. Because it is certainly having to do with judgment. That's the definition of judgmental. Jesus talked a lot about judgment. But narrow-minded and intolerant is the opposite of that. Because when you find Jesus sharing these stories, he's doing it because he wants everyone to experience the paradise of eternal life. He wants for all people to come to a saving faith. He is giving us a heads up. He's pointing down the road and saying, you may not know when the day is coming, but down the road, the road will stop. That's not intolerant. That is opening the doors up and saying, I want you to be ready. I love you. I care about you. I care about where you spend eternity. And so it speaks volumes really about the heart of Jesus that he would share so much with us about this. Um, now, it would be intolerant. It would be closed-minded if this is just one religion trying to compete with others and show that it's better. Or it would be intolerant and judgmental if this was Jesus just trying to frighten people into faith. Like, none of this is real. The day really won't be unexpected. And in the end, everyone does get in. Well, that would be, that would be Jesus just lying. And that would be pretty scary if he was doing that. But it represents the heart of a loving Savior who wants to save everyone. That's what it represents. So the final thing here is the good news. The good news 
And it really is good. Jesus has provided everything you need. Jesus has provided everything you need to be ready for eternity. So put your faith in what he won at Calvary. He died for you. He took your place. And there will be people of every tribe, book of Revelation, every tribe, every nation, every skin tone, every language, they will be represented because God wants everyone to be saved and he's throwing the doors open for everyone. In fact, Romans 1, 16 and 17 talks about the gospel. It says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Now, as your preacher here, I get to do a lot of cool stuff. I get to teach about cool things. Like if you've chosen to be married, we get to talk about how to have a healthier, happier marriage, it, how, to, how to do a, a better job from Scripture's you know, orientation about raising your kids, how to make better decisions, um, lots of neat stuff about how to impact our community in Dallas, and we're doing so many good things. All of that stuff is great, but to me, nothing is more important than having you be prepared for this day. Nothing. My sacred calling is to get you ready for this unexpected, sudden day that is coming. I want you to be ready for that. I want you to be certain that you are covered by the grace of God. Certain that you've said yes to the good news. So, according to Jesus, not everyone will be ready. I hope you are. Are you ready? Again, it's not up to you. It's not up to piling up a, a bunch of good works. It's not up to you figuring everything out. It's not up to you getting everything just right, memorizing uh, certain scriptures. It's up to what Jesus already accomplished. Have you received him? Have you put your faith in him? Have you been buried in baptism into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? If not, you could do that this morning. Or maybe you just need prayers this morning. We would love to help you as we stand together and worship.